I'm Ben, project manager and former data science volunteer here at Datakind. And I'm here to introduce you all to this great episode where we'll be discussing project scoping. Now, before jumping in, let's take a step back. What do we really mean when we say scoping? Out of curiosity, I searched the term on Google and I got a wild number of definitions. For example, one page describes it as defining features and functions of a product, identifying scope of work needed to finish a project, or really getting information required to start a project. Okay, so not entirely helpful, but here at Datakind, and particularly in the data for good space, we know that project scoping requires so much more. Now to give a real example of this work, so something that actually happened, imagine you're working with a large humanitarian organization and they're trying to understand how many refugees are located in a particular location and in a particular country. Now, before hacking away and asking about available data, assumptions, and the type of analyses we can use, we really have yet to identify what the real problem is. Why estimate the number of people? Is it making better programmatic decisions? Is it to identify underserved areas to fill in gaps in services? Is it to better allocate our resources? So this all requires a great deal of discovery before we can even think about our design and approach, and not to mention available data and all that's included within that, legal and ethical considerations, for example. Here at Datakind, this is just the beginning of scoping a data for good project, a process that requires quite a bit of discovering and designing ethical and impactful solutions with our project partners and communities. So, in this episode, you're gonna hear from a few data kinders, all experts in scoping and data science who bring years of experience working with these mission-driven organizations. I'm very excited for it, let's get to it. Thanks so much everyone for being here. So I wanted to kick things off and ask everyone today to introduce themselves. I'll pass it to Rachel, my colleague in the Center of Excellence. Um, hi everyone, I am with the Center of Excellence at Datakind as part of the product team. I've been a volunteer for over three years with the DC chapter of Datakind before joining staff almost a year ago. And I'll pass it to Caitlin. Sure. Hi everyone, I'm Caitlin Augustine. I'm the Senior Director of Product at Datakind and um, really excited about leading Datakind's various initiatives. Um, I started as a volunteer back in 2014 before joining staff in uh, late 2016. And I'll pass it over to Emily. Hi everyone, my name is Emily. I'm a, a data scientist at Datakind. Um, like Caitlin, I am a, a former volunteer, also a, a consultant. So I've been, I've been around for so long that you know, I've gotten to experience projects both from the, the volunteer perspective and from the, the staff perspective. So looking forward to this conversation. Hey everyone, I'm last. My name is Mallory Sheff. I joined Datakind in May 2020 uh, to be the portfolio manager of the new impact practice in economic resilience. As one of the latest staff members to join, I'm particularly excited to support and have this conversation because I have been learning over the past couple of months everything that you will be learning moving forward. Great, well, very exciting. We all come from different backgrounds and experiences and different touch points with uh, the overall scoping component of Datakind project. So I just wanna kick it off and ask the question, why is scoping important? I think we all have seen um, sort of the value add of scoping at uh, Datakind, but also the data for good movement um, as a whole. So um, I'd like to probably kick it to Caitlin for this question first. Uh, Caitlin, why do you think scoping is very important? 
Sure. So um, scoping is so important for, for so many reasons. I would say fundamentally, a, a well-scoped project provides a roadmap. Um, it provides clear roles and responsibilities. It provides a shared understanding of the project that you're trying to tackle and why you are tackling that. Um, but that's the end of scoping. I think even the process of scoping is important because it allows you to really test your assumptions to understand the context that you're solving problems within um, and, and to understand why you're trying to solve a problem this particular way. Um, I think the, there's a big failure point in a lot of the tech for good movement of just assuming that tech is the solution. And uh, the scoping process allows you to be thoughtful, not just about using technology in your solution, but really developing the comprehensive and, and correct solution that will ultimately be sustainable. Sure, I'll just mention the last thing Caitlin said there, I think is really key for us, the importance of sustainability of, of scoping is um, sustainability. So a lot of times nonprofit organizations or data scientists have great ideas for projects that will be really fascinating and um, do something cool and state of the art um, with data science, but it won't necessarily um, be able to be sustained at the organization or built into their long-term um, systems and, and processes that they use to improve their outcomes. And so um, just, I think a big piece of, of designing a project well at the beginning is being mindful of what's realistic uh, to sustain a project after it's completed. Yeah, that's a good point. Emily, I know you've had sort of experience in terms of making sure projects are feasible and working with the partners. Do you think you could talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, Caitlin and Rachel have already covered most of what I would say is important, but just from a, a timing perspective. So, you know, obviously at, at Datakind, we're always trying to, to balance um, you know, many priorities at once. And given that our volunteers are also working full-time jobs and are, and are very busy, it's, it's very important to make sure that when you are scoping, you um, come up with a project that is actually, you know, capable of being done within about, you know, six months or so. Because we, we, we've run into situations before where, you know, we were not clear enough about exactly what we were delivering and that causes projects to to drag on and on and that that's not a great experience for for the volunteers nor the partners so trying to lay out clear goals from the very beginning helps us stick to a timeline and then makes everyone uh happy i think you know scoping is so important to really learn more about an organization go in depth in the partnership to understand what an organization's theory of change is, what is its overall impact that it's trying to achieve, and how can DataKind work with them in collaboration to really co-create a solution that works in their organization. Um, so it's just been really wonderful to learn about different organizations and the potential partnership that we can engage in. Yeah, I like the, the sort of point you bring up with theory of change and then working with the organization, but you know, you also remind me a lot of the challenges that could come with that as well. Um, do you all have any sort of stories or experiences in terms of challenges that you've experienced with scoping? 
Um, I'll, I'll jump in with a, a suggestion, uh, just a, a story from the first volunteer project I was on, which was an amazing experience, but uh, we actually started from a project that wasn't really scoped, um, where the, uh, we, we thought as volunteers, we were heading into working on a, a well-designed project. And what we really found was we were heading into a conversation about a lot of ideas and the ultimate first idea of, hey, maybe you'll do some NLP on this corpus of academic articles and you'll find some uh, outputs that would be useful to um, setting environmental policy ended up turning into, you're going to build colanderapp.com and that's going to be a tool that any uh, academic looking to extract knowledge uh, can use uh, and build and uh, now um, Six years later, it's going to be uh, owned and maintained by the American Museum of Natural History. Like huge arc uh, and a huge number of um, steps in there that um, you wouldn't expect a volunteer team to be able to necessarily handle. And, and I don't think you'd want a volunteer team to handle. So you know, volunteers have, have lives, they have um, uh, requirements. And when you talk to a volunteer about committing to volunteer for six months, and then two years later, you're still a volunteer, I think that's a tremendous thing to say, you stuck with the project that long and we should really celebrate those volunteers, but we shouldn't put them in that situation in the first place. So a poorly scoped or, or a, a incomplete project scope can really lead to relationship mismanagement, both for a volunteer community and a partner community. Uh, it, it can really perhaps even lead to, you know, maybe something that doesn't work, but also potentially lead to something that that could cause harm if you haven't thought through all the risks and ethic uh, ethical considerations. So, um, I I was grateful that that the project experience I had turned out the way it did. But I think that with with a more strongly scoped project, the team could have been effective faster, um, and and delivered just a consistently good result. That's an interesting point. Um, I actually have a follow up question. You had mentioned relationship management. What do you think a lesson or some sort of learning that came out of your experience on your first Datakind project and, and really how that might inform a scoping experience as someone sort of scoping their first project? Yeah, so I think, you know, uh, any type of um, project, be it pro bono, consulting, professional, whatever, um, you know, you, you have a, a, a contract between two organizations and, and you have some shared expectations of outcomes. With, a, with an ill-defined scope, um, we were talking, you know, essentially different languages. There, there were wild um, misalignment between what, what the belief of what had been committed to and, and what had been delivered were between um, the volunteers and the, the partner organization. And it really fell to, you know, people who had a passion for the project and who were eager to, to find a way forward to do that relationship management to ensure it was a positive experience. But that should be the responsibility of, of say, the person who scoped, you know, to, to not even put you in a position of, of needing to necessarily backtrack. So I, I, I'd fall back on having a, a strong roadmap is, is probably the, the first line of strong relationship management. Yeah, all great points. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually looking toward Mallory, and I know she brings a lot of experience with her economic resilience projects, and especially how you manage partners. Have you had any challenges, Mallory, for example, in the scoping process and how that might yield some learning? 
Yeah, absolutely, Ben. Thanks so much. I think even early on in the um, conversations with partners, I've encountered some challenge aligning on what data science really is. Some organizations will think about some key problems that they would like us to address um, that are more around tech consultancy or IT consultancy and not really around the forward thinking and complex analytics that we can bring and really help unblock some of those challenges. So I think it's really important even early on in the conversation to either come with concrete examples of previous work that DataKind has done related to the thematic area of the organization, or even just make sure to, to include through the conversation why certain problem statements might be more reflective of a strong collaboration versus others. Yeah, and you know, I'm wondering how, you know, as, as we bring a data science lens to things and the challenges that come from doing a data science project to begin with. And, and one of those things I'm thinking of is data maturity um, and access to data. I'm wondering, Rachel, since you have a lot of experience working with nonprofit partners, especially as your time at DataKind DC, have you ever come across um, an example with uh, data maturity or, or data quality? Yeah, for sure. Um... I'll talk about data maturity and let someone else do data quality. There's such different topics, but um, so I guess one example I could think of is a project partner where in the scoping process, we didn't do a good enough job um, confirming that the organization would have the technical capacity to uh, learn how to use and sustain the tool that we built. Um, and so a data mature, a, a more thorough, this is a, a uh, lesson learned um, from not doing a good job uh, so that other people don't make the same mistakes that we did. Um, but we had a project where we were scraping uh, web data to populate uh, a, a database for an organization that was sharing uh, valuable information. I'll keep it anonymous, the organization for now. But um, essentially the, the team was not able to learn how to use the scraper uh, without then or had a, a, a troubleshoot um, and and address any issues that came up or make updates as small things change uh, when APIs change and everything uh, scrapers are always needing to be changed in some capacity and so um, it, we spent a really really long time not handing over the project because of the limited technical capacity of the project partner and I think if we had done a more thorough uh, data maturity assessment of the project partner at the beginning of the project we would have identified uh, that this tool was more advanced than uh, their level of maturity would be able to handle right now and that a more simple solution would have been a better fit for them. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely leave it to Emily since she is our our in-house data scientist that she um, probably has also experienced something similar. Yeah, absolutely. So building on what, what Rachel and, and Caitlin have said, um, I can actually give sort of a, a counter example or, or an example of a project that, you know, initially did not go well due to a poor scope. And um, that was for my very first project at, at DataKind too. And essentially what, what happened with that project was um, we were not able to get access to data in a timely manner. So when conversations were had with partner, partner about what you know, the team was supposed to be building, they essentially had to, to guess. And then once we actually got the data, it turned out, oh, surprise, the 
you know, the quality of the data in this database is so poor that the deliverables that we thought we were going to build are not possible at all. So um, that project actually had to be entirely redone. Um, the, the first volunteer team rolled off, we recruited new ones and basically did an entirely different project from the one that we initially thought we were going to do. And that dragged out over the course of about two years. So if we had been able to figure that out much earlier on, um, A, the project would not have taken two and a half years to finish and, and you know, B, um, I think it would have been a better experience for everyone all around. Um, it does have a happy ending because the partner was was ultimately very happy with what the, the team did because they essentially were able to give them a whole lot of information about the sort of data that they should be collecting and how it should be cleaned before it's even entered into their database, which would then allow them to deliver what they you know wanted to to begin with, but it took a, a great amount of struggle to get there. So we would we would like to, for, for anyone listening to this, to help them head off those challenges uh, for the future. Yeah, and you really, um, everyone here, especially that that we've sort of cut across these different stages, we'll say, and, and the scoping process and, and the examples given occur at the beginning of a project and other examples at the sort of tail end of a scoping that is looking at the data and, and sort of wondering what we would have done differently. And so, you know, moving on toward our last question, which I want to pose to you all is, what would you tell a new scoper to remember? And, um, you know, I, I'll sort of ask Caitlin this first, since you bring a lot of experience as a volunteer, also as, um, you know, someone who oversees a lot of different projects. What's something that you would suggest to a new scoper, Caitlin? Yeah, so I think the the thing that I would I would say is, be prepared to say no and to to be able to hold that line. So I I'm a data scientist, I'm a data data kind staff member, I was a data kind volunteer. Like uh, I I think data science can be used in the service of humanity and I, I really believe that. But it is not the only way you can serve humanity. And it is important for us to not put our skill sets or our ambitions ahead of what is right and best for the organizations and communities that we are serving. So understanding how to say no and to um, explain why you're saying no and to hold that line is a very firm thing and, and like a very good skill to have as a scoper um, because you will still be teach and you will still be able to serve organizations even if you're saying no as because you're you're providing a, a, a rationale or reason why or an alternative path forward. Absolutely. Uh, I'll call on Mallory to, to go next since I know I have sort of been inspired, Mallory, by the way you work with partners and you're very transparent up front. Um, wondering if you could um, provide a suggestion or, or a recommendation for a new scoper. Definitely, Ben. You know, building on what Caitlin said around, you know, saying no, I think clarity and communication with partners up front is very important. It's really important to level set and manage partner expectations and share clearly the way in which you want to engage with a partner, the different steps, the proposed timeline, and what they should expect along the entire project journey. I think level setting is just really important so that partners know exactly the direction that you'll be going together rather than continuously being confused and causing some trouble or challenges or obstacles in the project down the road. 
um, Rachel, do you have any um, sort of words that you would provide to a new scoper? Um, I guess the big thing is just focus on on the goal, the um, ultimate objective. What what are you trying to solve? And uh, the approach might be different. And the, the data science problem that um, that you need to address might be a lot different from the first thing that is said. I think there's been many, many cases uh, that I've experienced where a nonprofit comes with an idea that's really flashy and fun and uses data, uses like drone images or um, makes pretty maps, like something that's flashy and fun and popular uh, for people to talk about, but um, isn't necessarily going to make an impact on the work they're doing at the end of the day. And so just to really go back towards some of the more boring data science work, it can be a lot more impactful. Like sometimes uh, op optimizing a process or an automating uh, some work stream using data science uh, will be will save an organization tons of time and money, but it might be like some boring operational process that would make a bigger impact in the world in the long term because you're saving um, staff the capacity to use time in other ways. Um, but in the short term, it might feel less like fun and flashy than a, a drone image analysis. But um, so really balance expectations in that in that way. And instead of focusing on the shiny AI application, um, do what is really going to really help the organization at the end of the day the most. Yeah, all great points, uh, and, and and especially having the right people in the room and and having those conversations across different stakeholders and, and being able to ask the right questions. So thanks for that. Uh, Emily, would you like to sort of round us off and, and um, give a few suggestions for our new scopers? Sure, so I have a, a couple of pieces of advice that I have you know, sort of learned to, to implement from many years of experience. And the, the first one is the most important one. And it is, don't be afraid to ask stupid questions. First of all, there, there are no stupid questions. Um, Datakind works with so many different partners and so many different industries across different areas of expertise. And we don't expect any of our volunteer scopers to be an expert in any of the industries that our, our partners exist in. So if there is something that you are not sure about, even if you feel like it is a, you know, a question that you might already need to know the answer to, like don't be afraid to, to ask very straightforward, very basic questions because you know, that's how you build a foundation of knowledge that will ultimately allow you to, to scope a very effective project. So that would be my first piece of advice. And the second piece of advice would be to just take very thorough notes during conversations. If you are, you know, running into themes over and over again with partners in your, during your discussions, write that down. Um, and if you make sure that you document any data audits that you do, if you see weird things in the data, write those questions down and make sure you ask them. Make sure to just document the process as you go along and that will make that will make everything easier in the long run. So there you have it, a brief introduction to project scoping and why it is so much more important than the standard textbook definitions we heard earlier in the episode. In other words, project scoping really has the potential to be the biggest value add in tech for good initiatives. So we hope this conversation has been helpful for you and we look forward to future discussions. Thanks so much.